This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hi, I'm Ann Bobby from Nightbreed and Bioshock and Suffer the Little Children in Hanover House. And I'm here to tell you that Halloween is supposed to be scary, but when you're an LGBT teenager living on the streets, every single day is scary. That's why the Scream Queens is using the annual Countdown to Halloween Marathon to raise funds for new alternatives. It's an organization dedicated to improving the lives of homeless LGBT youth in New York City. Your donation will not only help provide these kids with hot meals, housing, and medical care, but also essential long-term needs like getting a diploma, life skills training, and HIV testing. Make a donation at give.classy.org slash SQ now through November 15th and help make the world a less creepy place. This is Ann Bobby. I'm a scream queen. And so are you. <laughs> Again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 204, and tonight, the countdown to Halloween marathon is in the home stretch because this is episode 204, and I am bringing you a big one. A big, honking, juicy, sweaty, throbbing episode chock full of not one, not two, but three men talking about a movie called Chopping Mall. And I'm going to be joined by the king of the galactic sneeze, game designer, Mr. Brian Wilson, and also super fabulous gay horror movie director, Chris Diani, and you are going to love it but first let's get the business out of the way of course the countdown to halloween marathon is a fundraiser for new alternatives and organization dedicated to helping homeless lgbt youth here in new york city and the goal i have set for this adventure we have until november 15th to raise one thousand dollars for new alternatives and right now the Amount is we have six hundred and forty-five dollars donated. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. We're doing good so far. Oh, well, this is this is the this is the home stretch. We've got three hundred and sixty-five dollars left to go to make that goal. Who's gonna help? Who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? Because I am still kind of delirious. I might be over the hump, but there's still lots of work for me left to do before this is all said and done. And the only thing you have to do, sit back, listen, enjoy, have a good time, and also go to give.classy.org SQ and make a donation. It's a tiny little thing. Every little bit counts, and I will be super duper grateful because oh boy we got a fun show lined up for you today but remember it's not all just for fun 
doing some serious work here as well to help the grand people at New Alternatives help some severely at-risk kids have a better tomorrow. Okay. It is time for me to start the show and bring on Chris and Brian and head on over to the Chop-In Mall. But first, let's take a listen to the trailer. Oh, yeah. They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. It's dead meat. But you're never alone in the Chop-In Mall. that robot life shopping mall where shopping costs you an arm and a leg So joining me for yet another day on the countdown to Halloween Potathon are two guys that I think were a perfect match for this movie and a perfect match for each other. And we're going to talk about that 1988 camp classic, Chopping Mall. I'm joined by my illustrious guests, Juan is a super famous game designer, and the other one is a super famous movie director. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Brian Wilson and Christiani. Protector One, online and ready. <laughs> I feel so hey, safe. Hey, Patrick, glad to be here. Good to have <laughs> you back, Brian. Well, it's really good for me to be back as well. Okay, calm down. <laughs> There's a little. I, I'm already feeling a little competitive. Because okay, of Mark okay. Brian listen, listen. That. Brian was a podcasting novice his first time, and he was very nervous. And okay. it all went very well. Still terrified. <laughs> well, now you should Wait. because you're on with Chris, and he's a savage. I am nothing of the sort. I'm a pussycat. Uh-huh. Says the guy who held up this whole pro- – we were supposed to record this episode a good week ago, but someone got sick sucking dicks behind the Haunted Mansion at Disney World, and now we had it. So it's been like 10 days since I watched the movie, so we're going to be free-balling tonight, kids. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the dicks were worth it, so what the Okay, say? okay. Well, I got nothing. <laughs> so are you an e-ticket attraction? Do you have one of those fast passes? Oh, there was fast pass galore. Uh-huh. And Brian's just like, I have nothing to add to any of this. Yeah. So, and you must be this big to ride this ride. So before we go any further, <laughs> let's just reintroduce the listening audience, the folks who may not have heard the episodes that you guys were on. Brian, why don't you take a moment to tell us about your game, Spank the Yeti and Schmoovie. Oh, sure, man. Yeah, so I have... Uh... I work for a company called Galactic Sneeze, which is uh, my wife and I. We have a six-year-old intern, and we have a couple of games that we made. One is called Spank the Yeti. It is a dirty adult party game. It is the party game of questionable decisions, where you get to find out what sort of, sort of horrible things you think that someone else in the room may or may not have done. And the other game is called Schmovie, and in that one you come up with funny titles for made-up movies, and that's great for the, the whole family. Can I tell you, Brian, 
every party that I have brought Spank the Yeti to. Stop. And gather around Spank the Yeti for the rest of the party. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Totally stole the thunder. It was, I'm sorry, Grandma, that it's your birthday, but we got to spank some Yetis over here. <laughs> but you got to find out who Grandma would eat the dingleberries of. She didn't is- know who any of the people were. Sure. Uh, can I say W.C. Fields? No, he's not on the card, Grandma. <laughs> you got to give that blumpkin to somebody. And, oh, Granny. And Chris is the director of the utterly fabulous horror comedy, Creatures from the Pink Lagoon. That is me. That is you, and you got that sequel coming up hopefully soon in the future. Well, not well, is it sequels? I well, I've got a few different. Oh, just more uh, in the same vein. The works, but yes, we are. There is a plan for a sequel to Creatures from the Pink Lagoon. We're going to fast forward a decade, set it in the seventies, and it's going to be gay vampires this time instead of gay zombies. Redundant. That's uh, <laughs> very much so. Um, but you know, it'll take place in a Studio Fifty Four esque disco right next door to a pizza parlor. So. The, the comedic possibilities abound. And I'm also in development on a, um, a rom-com set at a furry convention called Let's Pretend We're Bunny Rabbits. <laughs> oh. Okay. All right, all right, all right. That, 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 that I can say, has not been done. It, it definitely has not been done. And it won't be done the way you do it, that's for sure. But are we talking about these <laughs> things? No. We are here to talk about Chopping Mom. Oof, yes, we are. Now, had either of you guys seen it before? I believe I saw it back in the like early blockbuster days. Uh-huh. You know, Friday night, going with your friends, walking the walls, looking at all the, the, the covers. I'm sure that it appealed to me. I vaguely remember, you know, some of uh, Kelly Maroney's hijinks, but, you know, I could be mixing it up with her, her other shopping mall-esque film from the 80s. But I think I saw it back in the 80s. No, okay. Definitely a first time for me. I had not seen mm-hmm. this one. Um, yeah, but it and did now your look- life will never be the same, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I went into this with uh, low expectations, and uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. That's what happens with everybody. <laughs> There's no reason why this movie should be so fun, but it is. Okay, so since you guys are the guests, I'm assigning you the task to give me a 30 second elevator plot summary of Chopping Mall, and I think. Brian did it last time. So I'm going to dump it on you, Chris. Okay. Uh, horny teens plan a an overnight sex party at a furniture store in a mall. Like you do. And, <laughs> like you do. And I think they're teens. And the security robots go haywire and start murdering everyone. And scene. <laughs> and scene. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a pretty quick elevator pitch, really. It's very high concept. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm sad they changed the title because I like Killbots a lot better than Chopping Mall because there's no chopping oh, in the was... Chopping Mall. Right, right. I didn't realize that was the – I saw that they were credited as Killbots in the credits, but I didn't know that was the original title. Uh-huh. I just found the original poster online for Killbots. I'm like, that's an amazing poster. Uh-huh. Well, it's one of the protectors, and it just looks all badass and, you know, 1980s. Terminator style thing and it's so ridiculous based on the movie that it is I said that is an amazing poster awesome but what you gonna do oh wow you're right and this is chock full of all kinds of horror movie staples and you know independent film staple actors and lots of Roger Corman references I noticed that it was definitely very meta there's a lot of like quotes from other films moments lifted from other films 
It's very fun to spot those. I think they're all Roger Corman because it's produced by his daughter. Oh, oh, I didn't realize that either. Yeah. I thought it was his wife. It's his daughter? Oh, I'm sorry. It's She's both. <laughs> slap. <laughs> she's his daughter. She's his wife. Slap, slap. That kind of party. Forget it, Brian. It's Chinatown. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Chopping Town. Chopping Town, yes. <laughs> And I, 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 what I love about I, I love a movie that opens with the complete. Well, actually, that's not true. It didn't. I was going to say something else. Uh, well, when the movie starts, we're learning. We're getting a, a sales. I don't, it's not even a sales pitch. They've already been installed, but we're getting an employee meeting, mall meeting about the new security system. And right, it seems really late in the process to be informing the people whose lives are going to be directly affected by these things. That oh, hey, tonight we're opening wide with these killbots. Uh huh. Oh, but they're not killbots. They won't hurt you. They just you know, as the movie progresses, and we're totally, I'm totally jumping ahead here. I'm fascinated by how they seem to acquire new skills. I'm like, at what point did they get nitroglycerin? <laughs> nitroglycerin. They um, they're sneaky. Like I didn't think that, that would be in their programming, but they're super shady. Sneaky bots. Yeah. Yeah, that whole presentation is hilarious because it's it's like the the two people who are in charge of the of the bots are they look like they're playing dress up on a porn set. Like the, the dude with the mullet and the feathered hair who's clearly never worn a suit before and then the you know the the ice queen blonde with her glasses that she's going to whip off and toss her head and suddenly her hair is going to be all teased and the clothes uh-huh. will just fall off. Uh-huh. Really well, knowing the Corman family, they were probably shooting both of those films at the same time, and that's this scene is in both of them. <laughs> Hence how the movie got funded. There's killbots and fuckbots. <laughs> oh I can see it now. And they were, and I, it wasn't very clear who they were presenting to. I couldn't tell whether those were people who worked at the mall or were somehow owners of the mall, but they established them as bad guys who I thought we'd be seeing later on. Yeah, well, Paul Bartel and Mary Warren are there just, like, rolling their eyes and, and making jokes about the well, thing. Well, this is one of the weird stuff. choices that this movie makes. It does a lot of this. Um, uh, that, that couple that you're talking about that are, that are talking smack about the robots, that one in the middle has an unpleasantly ethnic look. That, those right. two yeah. are playing I, I, the same characters that they played in the obscure – movie Eating Raul. Eating Raul, yes, I thought uh, so. Uh, it's because you can see on their name tags it says Paul and Mary Bland, so that's them. And that was a movie about this couple. They've never had sex. They hate sex. They think it's gross. Uh, they run a restaurant and they are luring swingers and murdering them for their money to keep the money uh, place open and then they wind up teaming up with a cannibal. Anyway, it's a crazy movie from the <laughs> early 80s. Right, so and they, they show do mention no- their restaurant in this film. Yeah, apparently they have the restaurant in the mall now. <laughs> <laughs> what a perfect place. Which well, would work out perfectly if they team up with the killbots. Yeah. Is, is there any chance that's the restaurant where uh, the, the, the lead works, the, the blonde girl? Oh, has the, uh, no, no, just, no. He has a fancy restaurant. That was a pizza yeah. place. Oh, okay. I don't even know if that place was a pizza place because the, literally on the window it said soups, sandwiches, and it looked like maybe subs. And I garlic logs, apparently. <laughs> garlic they call logs. that an order for garlic logs. And I, I think I've passed a few of those in my time, but I don't think I've ever eaten one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's weird that you have characters from an obscure movie showing up. 
and these That's, ridiculous tropes, like the, uh, the the chef who's sitting there smoking a cigarette, that's hanging out while he's he's covered in food all over his shirt. Yeah, yeah. Well, the movie was always intended as a comedy, but I just this this particular this thing with Paul and Mary Blend always freaked me out because I'm going, why would you do this? This is not your target audience is not going to get this joke, and he spent so <laughs> much all. time with them, and they never come back. Ever it, had they got killed like, in it later on, I would have gotten with it. I'm going to jump forward a little bit. Because that guy who's the janitor. Yes, Dick Miller. The famous Dick Miller. Do you know who Dick Miller is, Brian? I, I'm i guessing that he is in another Roger Corman film. Dick Miller is one of these actors who is in everything. Everything. He's oh. never the lead, but uh, he was – most famously, he was Mr. Futterman in Gremlins. Yes. Got it. Okay. And, um, he originated the role of um, – Seymour in the original Little Shop of Horrors, and the character he's playing here has the same name that his character played in the Roger Corman movie, A Bucket of Blood. Uh, he's back with the bucket. <laughs> yes, he is. It was unclear what he was slopping up that time. <laughs> I like that the, the, the bucket is filled with what looks like chocolate milk. Uh-huh. It's yeah, yeah. The, the worst possible way to clean up anything is just. Well, I'm uh, sorry you, that you don't understand in this newfangled mall that we've 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 got ki- we've got robots for security, and now we understand that chocolate milk is an exemplary cleaning product. <laughs> well, and, and he's being green. bullied by the other janitors, which is yeah. so disconcerting as well. Well, you don't know about that whole hierarchy of janitors. As I, I mean, poor, poor, poor Mr. Futterman, whatever his name was, you know, he's in that untouchable class, like in India. Really sad, really right. sad, tragic story. But uh, anyway, we've gotten a little bit ahead of ourselves, so. Yeah, so we've learned that this mall is getting this brand new security system, and it's going to be patrolling the mall itself at night after the whole place locks down with super duper airtight, no one's ever getting through kind of prison. Right. I, I have questions. I have questions. Um, I know it's the '80s and everything was a little more loosey goosey back then, but did any legal staff vet all this like i'm watching their you know the, the security <laughs> measures they have and i'm thinking okay so they've got these robots equipped with sleep darts they have these like fireproof security doors that close everything in they've got lasers that can quote unquote cut through debris i'm just thinking like how did this get past legal we well no that's idea. what the, that's what the blonde in the glasses was for <laughs> okay <laughs> well she she pulled off the legal briefs and that was oh! that, so. <laughs> but i'm yep Nicely done. So, yes, and, and they, they're only supposed to be in the mall themselves. They don't go into the stores, and there's a, and some guy's like, well, what happens if we have to be here late at night? How is How are your little machines going to know that we work here? And they say, Sammy, you get this little card to scan it and says, thank you, have a nice day, and you go along your way. What could possibly yeah, I, go wrong? I love how there's all of this rule building only to immediately flout pretty much all of it. <laughs> I guess the lightning strike explains all that. Uh, yeah, I, I like that the uh, the ID card that the robot was supposed to register is this grainy black and white like <laughs> image, and that's what it's going to read. I mean, you couldn't like they showed you one, and it could have been anybody in that picture, right? And and that's what keeps you from being sleep darted to death, <laughs> or tasered, <laughs> tasered, or, or lasered, pin- or pinched to death. They have those pinchers that I found very very alarming. <laughs> Pin- I, you know, I, well, we can get to some of the, the deaths, but those pinchers really confused me. They confused me too. Because seriously, okay, this is me. This is me being stupid. We're way ahead of ourselves. There'd be scenes where you see the, the, the you know protector one coming at somebody, and the arms come out, click, 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 
and then right. they only seem to go out up. and up at the yeah. shoulders. And I said, is that robot thinking it's Tevia or Avita right now? Because it's got Havanagila arms or Don't Cry For Me Argentina arms, and I can't tell which I'm lo- – I don't know what I'm looking at. I thought he was doing YMCA, but only – That also works. <laughs> well done, sir. Uh, he's stuck on Y. Yep. <laughs> which was what I was stuck on watching this whole movie. Why? How dare you? <laughs> no, so I that Kelly Maroney can work. That's how. That's why. Oh, that girl. We'll get to her too. Oh. There's so much to get to. Um, so okay. So can we just briefly? It's a rich tapestry, Brian. The opening credit montage showing like the the busiest super mall ever. <laughs> what I was going to say was nothing makes me happier than a montage. <laughs> of people like clamoring into elevators, squashing an unattended child with a fudgicle. <laughs> Girls walking got, around the mall in you know bikinis. In their bathing suits, yes, beauty queens with their sashes on, just clip clopping through the mall, going up and down escalators, causing men with twelve boxes of shoes to you know comically fall over. <laughs> it was it was like it was like a perfect strangers credit sequence, but at a mall without Larry and Balky. Ashes walking around. Like why were they? Yeah. They just... were promotional models. They had ribbons on. They were like, bring the kids. The oh. future's here. <laughs> yeah. Because the eighties was a magical time, Brian. That's why. Oh. We're just meat. We're not really people. Yeah. Oh, and I love the guy who was like so obviously shoplifting. He had like a whole bucket of albums in his in the front of his shirt. Yeah, just standing at the front of the store. <laughs> like, That's not funny. That guy suffers from a very rare deformity. <laughs> Robotitis. He has the square chest. He was the, he was our our LPitis into the world of the robots. Yes. Did you catch the name of the record and tape store? No, and I was trying to watch for the names uh, of the stores. I, uh, Licorice Pizza. Licorice Pizza. I think that, that, I think that was a real chain. Bonkers name. I thought, oh my god, they've taken the time to create crazy names for every single mall. <laughs> well, there was a House of Almonds, so every, you know, all bets are off at this mall. That is a very specific niche market of product. <laughs> right? And they showed it a few times, too. It was where the heroes gathered at one point, and I'm like, House of Almonds? Uh-huh. House of Baby Guess? And I can't remember <laughs> like, whether there really was a Baby Guess, or I was just trying to make some really bizarre joke about sexy babies no, this movie had like this movie had no budget and most of it went to renting the mall so they did not change much in the mall wow Very, the only the only sign that i saw that was absolutely fake was peck and paws right which of course you know in joke yeah but we're away from I the plot because now we meet our happy-go-lucky sort of kind of teenagers Right, at the soup sandwich and something restaurant <laughs> soup sandwich, pizzas garlic logs garlic and logs. diarrhea Clearly, and then a joke about some fat guy in the corner who wouldn't stop eating. And Mike oh yeah, the, the the casual fat phobia of the eighties rears its ugly head. Oh. And she says that orca beaches here every night. Oh. Yeah, and I, it was such a, they made such a big deal out of him, and it was just such a nothing role. I thought I'm like maybe that's the director, right? Oh, he was such a terrible actor. Like he like he's supposed to be this like lecherous horny dude, and he doesn't even look up from his food that he's gobbling down. He doesn't look up when he says, waitress, more butter. <laughs> Come on, dude. That's your – you just got your SAG card. Give us a look at least. Yeah, but he was also eating food, you know, and he was right. gross. But anyway, right. so we meet, our, we meet uh, two of the girls. We meet um, – okay, we get uh, Allison and 
Susie. And they're played Susie. by Kelly Maroney and Barbara Crampton, two of the more favored 80s horror folks. Right. One being a significantly better actress than the other, but you wouldn't know it from this movie. <laughs> Well, they give – well, okay, yeah. Kelly Maroney, everybody knows from Night of the Comet, which is one of my favorite movies. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, and she was fantastic in that. And she's our, she's our main girl. And her best friend is Suze, played by Barbara Crampton, who you'd know from The Reanimator. And, and, and um, what's the other one? From Beyond. Right. And she's recently been having a comeback lately, doing a whole bunch of great stuff like uh, – okay, I'm blanking on everything. You're next. Up IMDb. Uh, you're next. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, whatever. Okay, I suck. Bad pod, bad podcaster. But what's funny is Barbara Crampton is a really smart actress. Her characters always come across as really smart. Like in From Beyond, she's playing some kind of ridiculous psych- scientist. I forget, like, right. like phys- some sort of astrophysicist. And you got a hot blonde girl in her 20s in glasses and a lab coat playing an astrophysicist and normally you'd be you'd say what you'd say about that girl at the beginning of this movie but somehow you go wait a minute you know what i actually do buy that you're an astrophysicist but here she's given nothing to do but jiggle pretty much but you know what jiggle and have and have meltdowns but she's really good at jiggling she was lovely and the gay man says that she's got jiggle (laughs) she has jiggle she had that that perfectly frayed 80s hair as well (laughs) <laughs> like that had been aquanetted to within an inch of its life. Yeah, and, and Allison's having a hard day. She's new and she broke a plate, which is weird to have a plate at a pizza joint, but maybe it's not a pizza joint. Nobody knows what this place is. But again, every place they go in this mall, this restaurant, the locker room, uh, the storage room at the um, furniture store is covered in Roger Corman movie posters. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Didn't They're everywhere. Oh wow! But you know, and, and but Susie's like, "Hey, girl, it's okay. You just gotta get through the day because at the end of the day, we're gonna be in Party City because we're gonna have sex on other people's furniture, <laughs> on, on, on other people's soon-to-be-purchased furniture." Okay, <laughs> this is not the only movie to have this trope. I know of at least three movies that have this trope of teenagers spending the night in a furniture store for a sex party. Really? Really? Yeah. There's this one. There uh-huh. is uh, The Initiation, which was an early Daphne Zuniga movie. Remember her from Melrose Love Place? her. Uh-huh. Love her. Spaceballs, yes. And uh, Hide and Go Shriek, which I've also covered on the show. Ooh. So a- yeah, I mean, horny teens in horror, horror movies are going to you know, want to find someplace to have that I sex. I get that. But at least in those movies, they were big furniture stores. <laughs> so people were on different floors. This one, they're banging like three feet next to people who are not banging. <laughs> Oh yeah, and, we're trying to watch Attack being... of the Crab Monsters, and you guys are totally getting down on each other, and and loudly, like yeah. shrieking that you're the king, and and oh, do me, baby, and Stepford yeah, wife joke, and it's super uncomfortable. They set up uh, like little walls with sheets that they hung from the ceiling, like closed off like little parts of the, the space. No, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no budget, no budget for that. Sorry, no, no, because you know what happens if we leave, if the hooks leave marks, and then we get in trouble on Monday. It's much better that we leave our bodily fluids all over the soon to be purchased furniture. <laughs> so gross. Oh. So this is them, and then you meet the guys who work in the store, and um, they're for the. I mean, you've got Ferdy, who is Ferdy. the nerdy, who's Ferdy. our nerdy hero, who I remember from Head of the Class. 
Yep, he was the the sweater vest wearer with Howard Howard Hessman and that girl that Mike Tyson used to beat up. <laughs> Ouch. What was Robin her name? Givens. Robin Givens. Robin Givens. Yeah, I yeah. knew him from that. So I thought, wow, he's really going places. He's in chopping mall. He does that cross-eyed stare really well. Uh huh. Uh huh. And That's about, he's got. St- he's invited to the party, even though he doesn't have anybody to bang. I thought it was his uncle's place. I thought right. it is. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was getting to. Because I was going to say, that's going to be a fun party for you if they don't <laughs> fix you up with somebody. Who, I guess, is this person you just meet and immediately bang. I don't know what's happening. I know it's the 80s, but come on now. Um, well, my question is, so you've got Ferdy and you've got Michael, the, the preppy douche, the typical 80s preppy douche with the big feathered hair and you know the chomping on his gum. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Greg, the, cl- the clear closet case. But then you've got Rick and Linda who have got to be older, they're married, they have their own business, and yet they're stealing off to the furniture store to screw in front of some teenagers. Yeah, that's what confused me about this movie because certain situations make them seem like teenagers, like working at a pizza joint or whatever that thing is. Right. And being excited about drinking beer at (laughs) night in a place you're not supposed to be. That's not so exciting when you're 25 anymore. No, we have apartments for that. But I have no idea how old they're supposed to be. No idea, not a clue. And I thought they were the the they were going to be the the leads of this story. You know, they were they were nice. They were in love. You know, they they had a new business that they were running together, and they happened to go to this party. And as far as I could tell, they weren't doing any of the 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 bad things supposed to get them killed in the long. Well, yeah, there are so many setups that are just completely dropped. Like you've got you, – you have this setup where Rick and Linda are the sort of the older, the more responsible, the skilled. And then you even have a setup within that couple where Linda is actually the more mechanically skilled of the two of them. Yep. So you think, oh, a mechanically skilled character who's about to face off and against a girl, robots. A mechanically yeah. skilled girl? This right. is science fiction. Like someone's going to underestimate her and she's going to save the day by, I don't know, taking apart a robot or something. But no. Nothing nothing happens with that whatsoever. No, but she gets to do some math that doesn't make any sense. But we'll, get, we'll get to that. And I would be remiss not to point out that um, – I'm sorry. What's his name? Rick? Rick. Rick. Rick is played by Russell Todd, most famously from Friday the 13th Part 2. Love him. Yeah, he's, and of course he's, done, he's done, done tons of soap operas for people who aren't into that sort of thing. And I have to say – Linda was my favorite character, and, and I know my listeners know how I feel about characters named Linda, that they're usually awful. This one was not. She was mostly not awful, but then they, of course, made her have a meltdown that gets her killed. Spoiler alert. And it just, I don't know, it, it, didn't, it didn't serve the character very well. No, was- no, that, no, 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 we'll, 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 we'll get to that, we'll get to that. And, and then you get the other two who are just gross. And, and Mike, Mike apparently, and Leslie. apparently it was a character choice for him to chew gum constantly. Every time, right? The entire... While he's going down on her. Well, that's why she said, she said, Mike, you know I don't allow that. Well, his head's between her legs. And I went, wait, a girl doesn't allow that? I'm like, all right, because she chews gum. I didn't put that together. Uh, No, she'll be blowing bubbles for three days out of vagina. But yeah, that makes sense. Blowing bubbles, just getting stuck in her pubic hair. (laughs) Oh, oh, he went there. (laughs) You got to get peanut butter to get out. <laughs> oh, or freeze it. <laughs> oh, that's not mayonnaise. Again, oh. Mike, not again. <laughs> you guys are terrible. 
Uh, well, and I was, and I'm watching, you know, the locker room scene when Susie's getting dressed, and I'm thinking, like, what is this girl putting on? She's going to a sex party where she's thinking about getting laid, and she's putting on a full body lacy tank top suit over the shoulders. Oh yeah, oh like yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts as tights and goes all the way up to the shoulders, and then a, like a sweatshirt on top of that. Right, yeah. and then when, and then later, well, when you she know, it was the '80s the layers. Store, she's she's got a black one underneath the white one. Yeah. How about she has to peel them both back to show the tits. While while she that's why and, she had to uh, sing for thirty seconds. She's like, hold on a second, it's gonna take a minute for me to get these out. <laughs> that was our first uh, gratuitous boob shot of the of the movie, where the two girls were talking in the locker room, and then a girl walks by who I know is so excited to be in a movie, but her entire head's chopped off, so it's just oh. like, one like fake boob goes by between the two of them. Of course, she brought her grandmother to that premiere. Oh yeah. I knew it was you. <laughs> I recognize that nipple. <laughs> Marianne, don't worry. I'd recognize it anywhere. People <laughs> will be stopping you on the streets. <laughs> of course, I would like to revisit. Where is this locker room? Yeah, what mall has a full shower locker room like that? Uh-huh. Uh, and what, a- what employees are going to use it instead of just going the fuck home? Yeah, no idea. Well, ones who don't want to go all the way home and then come all the way back to bang in a furniture store after closing time. <laughs> so it's a very specific yeah. niche need here. Right, those, uh, that other girl, she was going to come back and bang in a Hickory Farms later on. <laughs> Can I tell you, I was for some reason, I was looking for a Hickory Farms. Well, of course, they were in all the malls. <laughs> they were in all the malls, and I thought about what a unique time to be alive the- when people would go to the mall specifically for a dried meat purchase. Dried meat and, and then would give it as a gift. You could get it engraved. Ah, <laughs> oh. congrats, Wilson. <laughs> uh, so we've skipped the first death. Don't worry, oh, we're yeah. jumping around. We're jumping around, but no, but I'm, I'm just yeah, we're um, things that crack because me. I up. think like, that's actually. I think the first death is actually where we get the first gratuitous boob shot. Actually, oh no no no, no 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 because of course. What happens while the party is going on is that the mall is hit by lightning. So talk about so there's a, there's a small room that's filled with buttons. There's one <laughs> because science, to. Brian. You're uh, either yeah. pouring colored liquids from one vial to the other, or you have little buttons that flash and go beep. So I'm led to believe that this is the security office. That's, right. that's what my, my thinking. But there's uh. there's only one monitor, and it's turned yeah. off. And so the, the, the people who were in it were wearing lab coats, not security uniforms. Because True. science! <laughs> <laughs> so this is where the three robots just sort of sit in the back, sort of menacingly. Right. Turn on, turn themselves on and off, you know, just to fake people out. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, are you, are you going to talk us to this, Patrick? Um, so there's a, uh, a guy in a lab coat sitting in a chair. Uh-huh. And he, he reaches for a, a phone book. And he starts flipping through it, and he finds a centerfold in the middle of this thing. <laughs> oh, that's right. That was your first gratuitous boob shot. I completely forgot about her. Yeah, I, I... But mean, no, so then, meanwhile, there's a lightning storm outside, and lightning hits some sort of, like, air conditioning unit that's sure. been spray-painted white or sure. some sort of... Well, it it's the, the computer. It's the... Because they, they mention it when they're doing the presentation that... The um, you know the robots patrol three floors of I don't know seven or something which always struck me as weird, and that the 
if, if there's trouble, once they neutralize the suspect, they will have the computer on the roof call the authorities. Ah. So that's where they establish what that is. So the, the computer on the roof is what gets hit by lightning. They keep the computer in the rain. <laughs> like okay. you do. It was the 80s. Nobody knew what was, you know, water. <laughs> yeah, they didn't know how electricity worked in the 80s. It was a really weird time. <laughs> yeah, but apparently that just, just much, much like bringing Jason and Frankenstein back to life, a lightning bolt is all it takes to take an otherwise innocent robot and turn it into a kill bot. <laughs> this is the opposite of short circuit, right? It is exactly circuit. the opposite of short circuit. In that one, there's like an uh, a, a, a evil, tough army robot that gets hit by lightning and becomes super sweet. Right. And this one, you have an evil robot. Oh, sorry, a, a supposedly friendly robot. Thank you. Please come again. And it gets struck by lightning and becomes an evil robot. Exactly. That's correct. Well, it's, and it it's also somehow struck by lightning. And somehow the lightning also gives it knowledge of human anatomy and how to kill people. <laughs> right. right. Human anatomy, sneakiness, you know, where to hide. It also makes the computer evil. So, like, the, I guess the right. robots are just part of the the overall system. Right, because it's it's heating up the air ducts. It's shutting off the elevators. It, it cuts the phone lines. Yeah, there's there's a moment. Yeah, they go to get the phone. It orders pizza, and they're like, "Wait, who ordered all this pizza? We didn't. We don't have money to pay for the pizza." Oh, you you killbots! You killbots! We wanted the garlic log. Ew. <laughs> this is some really advanced AI to know that the humans need to call out. Well, at one point, Ferdy muses, uh, "Maybe they can read our minds," and I'm like, "What? Girl, <laughs> come on!" This is why you don't have a date, Ferdy. Exactly. Were people that un, you know, unsure about computers in the late 80s to, to question whether they could read your mind if they got struck by lightning? I think there were people that thought computers could read your mind absent the lightning strike. So sure, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, we, I mean, we, 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 well, you know, it was all new. Anything was possible. And, of course, people are going to assume the worst. And, yeah, so, yes, yeah, so the... One of the robots is doing a sneaky tippy-tippy pause up behind the guy looking at the girling magazine. One of the things uh, the guy turns around and like, oh, it's just the robot. And now it's three feet closer. And yet he doesn't find this odd. Not odd at all. And then gets, I guess, choked and punctured. <laughs> like the, the, the pincher claw gets him. Mm-hmm. The pincher claw shoots through the centerfold. Yeah. Um, and, and then gets him. Goes into his throat, yeah. And then hides the body. That's yeah, the that's, craziest part. That's the best part. The One of the things I love in horror movies is a killer that cleans up. <laughs> well, if you have a killer robot robots. that cleans up, I'm in love. It's, it was the first Roomba. Well, that's why they killed Dick Miller, because they didn't need him. They know how to clean up. They can, they, <laughs> they can do the janitor and the security guard's job. Not only did they get rid of the security guard, they have an, a, a, this understanding of pornography and they're supposed to also take this centerfold and fold it up and hide that too. <laughs> well, they were keeping it for later. Oh, okay. They, okay. they left the half-eaten donut though. One of these days, our little clippy claws will be able to reach down to that area, and we're gonna have use for this <laughs> for sex bots shooting down the hall. <laughs> oh God. Oh fuck! So bots then later we get we get the second security guard slash scientist, who's the super nerd of the duo. You know, he comes. He comes tripping in, sees the half-eaten donut, decides to eat it. <laughs> he's he's reading sci-fi that uh-huh. came from outer space. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh huh. Another Roger Corman movie. Awesome. And, and these robots are super sneaky, right? It's it's creeping up on the guy, but then the phone and he opens up this little trap door, and you can tell it's about to shoot out some darts or something. <laughs> right. The phone rings, so then Sorry it by the bell for a second, and then lowers this little door again because it doesn't want to get. <laughs> It's, it, it doesn't. Numbers. It doesn't want to interrupt the phone call. <laughs> right, and this movie is full of wrong numbers. It's so bizarre. And they're in the room by themselves with the guy. I don't know why they need to have this element of surprise. They could just like blast him with their lasers, or yeah, literally any. You know, just no need for sneaking up. Just kill the thing. Kill the guy. And at this point, they haven't established that there are lasers. Like we, as a as a viewer, don't know this. You know, no. we, 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 we knew that they had something that could cut through debris, but we didn't quite know it was like War of the Worlds style lasers. <laughs> well, actually, you know what I realized? I noticed watching it this time. I'm like, um, particularly with with uh, Protector One and Protector Two, one had blue lasers, the mm-hmm. other one had pink lasers, and I was like, oh, Protector One is a girl. Neat. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, and it's it, the uh, there's so okay. There's just going to be a nitpicker here, but there's no consistency to what the lasers do. Like that. Why don't you shut movie, your face, Chris? Why don't you shut your face? <laughs> later in the movie, we've got. It was the things. '80s. We didn't know what lasers did. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but even within the film, there's no consistency. She gets shot in the back and the ass like five or six times, and just keeps running. But then turns around and gets shot in the head, and the whole thing just gets obliterated yeah her head was very soft robot like ass slap as she's running away (laughs) right on her playboy panties and she gets hit one more time and her head explodes (laughs) you know blood and and guts for you know 30 feet yeah Yeah. are you complaining that that happened because that was the best part of the movie yeah that 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 literally was because i went hell yeah this is great yeah because for once the death was actually clear like, it wasn't super clear how the first security nerd died. Security nerd number two, I could not figure out what happened. Like, was it a grappling hook to the back of the neck? Like, what? it was so quick and so, I don't know, just, it was very vague. So, you know, at least the head explosion, there was no doubting what happened there. Yeah. Yep. But then they forgot how to use the, the head explosion laser going forward from the rest of the movie. <laughs> right. Well, they forgot how to aim, let alone use it. Well, sometimes, well, again, like you said, sometimes people would get hit with a laser and it would leave a little burn mark. Uh, yep. Suze gets hit with a laser in the leg, and it just rips the shit out of her entire <laughs> leg. Like she had like muscles hanging out of her. So yeah, you're, you're right. So they're they're ill defined, but that's because it's the 80s. And what are well, they also lasers out of? It's just sort of coming off of their head somewhere. I think it's supposed to be the eye, because later when they get shot, um, one of them gets shot in the eye. He says laser malfunction. Yeah, I guess so. So it's the red laser eye. The big screen that kind of goes around the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the one that looks like Paul Bartel's mother. I thought that was like a Jordy LaForge reference. <laughs> Could have been. I do think they dropped Nerd. the ball, though, because, <laughs> because all three robots basically are interchangeable. And I feel like such a uh, just a lost opportunity where you could have – because they're, they're supposed to be working different levels. You have like you know the, the lower level, which is food court and bathrooms or whatever, and that, that robot's just the weakest one and easily vanquished. And then the second level is, I don't know, Hot Topic and Floorshine Shoes. And then the Dude, third is the like the script the was probably written store. in four days. <laughs> it's a Roger Corman movie. Agreed. I mean it's, it, it, I mean, it's a Corman family binge. movie. They were known for quick, get it done, get out. No retakes, just go. I would bet they also wanted the robots to be interchangeable in case one of them stopped working. They could just sort of break <laughs> that one out and then bring a different one in. And if any of them were, were specialized, they would be screwed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, just, just as a robot connoisseur, I found it disappointing. It was a definite missed opportunity. Um, so, would I you would... be my robot sommelier? <laughs> I will. Robot, robot Molly. I got nothing. You know, I was trying to figure out how these robots were going to get because they have tank treads. How they're going to get from one floor to the next? Mm-hmm. And there's, I say, there's no way these things can take the steps. And there's no oh, way. I, they can... And I call bullshit on them taking the escalators, which they yeah. do. They, well, they're going up the escalator. I'm like, okay, let's see how they pull this off. And then they, they never show the bottom, and they cut out of it before uh, the. Yeah, you know, the of course bottom. they do because it's bullshit. You can't fit a damn stroller on an escalator. You're not going to fit one of those robots. Chris, it's a movie about killer robots. (laughs) (laughs) Check your brain at the door. It's not the kind of movie. You are ruining my Halloween high. Um, (laughs) I just wanted to cut back to the sex party because it's very unsexy. Like like I said, we've already talked about the thing with Mike. I don't allow that. Which I, I I mean I don't know, but I'm not, I can't imagine any girl saying no to that. But whatever. But then we go over to the other couch six feet away, <laughs> and I forget the guy's name because he's the most boring of all of them. Greg, the one who's with Barbara Crampton, and he says the line any woman wants to hear in those intimate moments. <laughs> you smell like pepperoni. You smell like pepperoni. Now I have to tell a quick story right now. Sidebar. Uh, one of my listeners was like, oh my god, you're doing Chopping Mall, I love that movie, and we got into a quote-off on Facebook, just going back and forth. And I had copied and, copied and pasted You Smell Like Pepperoni to send to her. At the me- same time, I'm trying to get Mark Patton from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 to do a bumper Oh no! for this fundraiser that we're doing right now. So I mean, I mean, you know, I, I am in him back and forth, and all of a sudden I realized I just sent him... A message that said you smell like pepperoni. <laughs> oh my god! That's great, amazing. I thought the pepperoni turned into like a nipple joke because he's like, "You smell like pepperoni." He's like, I love pepperoni, and then she pulls her shirt off. Right? Yeah, she goes stomping away, and he says, "Wait, I like pepperoni," and that's when she he's like, peels layer pepper- after layer of bodysuit down. Yes, and while <laughs> while singing "Strangers in Paradise" like any teenager girl would would do. <laughs> she wasn't. She was humming. It made it even creepier. But I, I love Barbara Crampton. She's gorgeous. She can get her tits at any time she likes. I love a girl who can get naked in every movie that she's in and never come off as sleazy. Oh, she's lovely. Says the gay man. Says the gay man. <laughs> yeah, no, she's great. Yep, You're surrounded, great. Brian. We're everywhere. <laughs> this character sucks for her. The one thing I have to say about this character for her, Susie is the character that gets stuck with all the 80s jingoism. Oh, yeah. She gets tons tons and tons of slang, and normally when it's in a movie like this, it always comes really forced. Come on, Allison. It'll be awesome to the max. Yeah, exactly. And but I thought she pulled it off very smoothly. Line. Yeah, it they never took me out too line much. Anyway, enough from... of my Barbara Crabs to jerk off session. <laughs> they keep repeating the line from My Chauffeur, which I had to Google because I could not remember where I remembered it from. But what? that whole, um, they call each other babe, and oh, then they say, babe. it is babe, isn't it? It's I had no chauffeur. idea that was from something. Yep. Oh my gosh, this movie has so many layers. It does. It, it does. Is a so veritable onion so we're of at the party, movies. and like we. Meanwhile, all of this, Allison has been set up. Alice, Kelly Maroney has been set up on a blind date with Ferdy the nerd. Nerdy Ferdy. So they're surrounded by people having sex, and they're watching Attack of the Crab Monsters on TV. Guess who made that movie? 
<laughs> Roger Corbin. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and I had to laugh because at a certain point she was like, oh, oh, she screamed and she covered her eyes. And she's like, I'm sorry, I get so scared at these movies. I said, nobody was ever scared at Attack of the Crab Monsters. It wasn't scary at all. That was ter- an explosion on camera. <laughs> and, uh, she throws, she covers her head and throws herself at him. Uh huh. And it was about at this point where I realized that both of our quote unquote romantic heroic leads are both wearing beige slacks. Oh, pastel tops and beige slacks, which makes me want them to die. Because <laughs> really, why why live? Why live if you're going to be in a movie in beige slacks? And poor Kelly Maroney has like beige camel toe in those slacks too. Yes, oh. yes, Brian. Her camel toe is infamous, and the first person who noticed it was her on opening night. She's like, oh, my God, there's my vagina in every scene, and nobody told me. Oh, poor girl. I mean, you can see the guys, maybe, or the director, let's say, but, like, the costume woman might have said, you know, this is, I can see your labes, but no. But she, there it yeah. is, 30 feet high. Yep. I thought maybe it would be like Chekhov's camel toe and, you know, like introduce it in Act 1 and then it's used to save the day in Act 3. No, hey, use, have a nice day, when... camel toe. <laughs> they use uh, Chekhov's rule when they introduce the um, the tray of drinks in the mall montage only to have it, of course, get spilled 10 minutes later. Or not even, ten, two, yeah. two minutes later. Yeah. I think that's the rule in 80s mall movies. There will yes. be a, spill, a tray of spilled drinks. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was uh, some, that was an intense moment there. You know, she had to do to go through the uh, the path of all the people trying to knock her over, and she looked super grumpy. Uh huh. Oh yeah, she. Well, she was probably on take eighty seven at that point too. Yeah, <laughs> so that was a lot of drinks. But is the movie about her? No. So yeah, so they're having a time at the mall, and there's a whole thing about whether well. Allison, how about I drive you home because the mall's going to lock up soon? She's like, no, I want to stay just a little bit longer because I'm so turned on by your beige slacks. I want to rub your beige slacks against my beige slacks. She doesn't say that, but they're having a meet cute. Whatever, but... I thought he wanted to take her home, like like back to his place. I thought he was oh. like, a classy guy. We're going to have sex, but let's not do it here in front of these other guys. Let's do it back at my place. Or at your place. See, you think this, I did not get that from him at all. <laughs> I mean, I think deep down, though. deep down under the uh, in many many layers, that's the penthouse forum wish. Uh huh. But I think he is trying to be a nice guy here and just take her home. Considering we've just spent like three hours surrounded by people banging, watching bad movies, pretending that we're not sitting around people banging. Very strange. Um, right, and he had to be cajoled into the date in the first place. You know, he kept insisting that he had all this accounting work to do. And oh, and of course, of course, the unanswered date. question of the movie is what happened to Mrs. Ferguson's fuchsia? <laughs> what did they say? Fuck the fuchsia. It's Fuck Friday. the fuchsia. Fuck the fuchsia. This movie taught me something because remember at the time I actually looked up in the dictionary what fuchsia was. <laughs> oh, awesome. wow. That's fantastic. Which is a gay yeah, man. It, I should have known just genetically, but I didn't. What's also interesting is that you would have looked it up in the dictionary – because there's no colors in the dictionary, right? What do you mean there's no colors in the dictionary? <laughs> you have a color dictionary? Well, yeah, it's black and white. I know what he's saying. No, but it's also a fabric and a pattern. So. <laughs> it's a pattern? It's just a, I thought it was just a color. 
Let's fight. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is, is, is this the color cast? Is this, is this the, 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 the yeah, Hugh? Yeah, fuck the fuchsia. It's Friday. Fuck the fuchsia. The Hugh cast. Um, not Hugh Grant. Just Hugh. Um, where were we? So we're about to uh, need some virgin slims because I don't smoke. <laughs> right. Oh my god! Yeah. So she sends. Yeah. Okay. So so big titty girl whose name I don't remember. Leslie. Le- okay. Personally, Mister Gum Chewing Mike, you call the other one the closet queen. I'm calling Mike as the closet queen. <laughs> really? That body is perfect. And whenever he said Leslie, he said it like this, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> Because the gum was just taking up. Too I don't care. He was doing. Oh, what do you call that? Vocal fry before vocal fry was a thing. Lies lie. Well, where does this take place? Is this California? It's California at the famous Galleria Mall, which no longer exists. There you have it. Um. So the girl's trying. She wants some to smoke, so she sends the guy out looking for cigarettes. Remember, right? remember cigarette machines, guys. Sure. That's something Vaguely. that once, a, once upon a time, kids, you could get cigarettes out of a vending machine like a candy bar. <laughs> and you I would like spend it. all day putting $8 and quarters into the goddamn cigarette machine. And pulling the knob. It was like, a, like almost like a pinball machine knob. Yeah. And Mike has the nerve to complain that cigarettes were $1.75. I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Well, then, and then the payphone next to the cigarette machine rings, and yet again, we have a wrong number. Silly Jamal. I don't know what was going on with the wrong numbers. I didn't get that running joke either, but I guess remember when payphone? Remember payphones? Oh, yeah. It didn't occur to them they could use a payphone to call out. Clearly, the payphone was still working. Right. Yet again, another thing that's established and never Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. Because yeah. does does we have – doesn't the things – okay, hold on. Let's just finish with this. Uh, Mike goes out to the cigarette machine. He's out there forever. Let's just buy your cigarettes. Shirtless. 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 And I'm not complaining because he's fucking perfect. But he's taking a long time to check his quaff (laughs) and chew his gum. But he remembers his ID badge. Uh Uh-huh. But one of the protectors is coming up sneaky, sneaky paws on him. Yeah. And doing peekaboo around the corner. (laughs) Which makes no sense because they're the authority figure. They don't need to be sneaky. Right. It's the lightning programming. That's, I get it, but it's because it's a horror movie. I get it. it, it there you have it. And it sneaks up on his uh, where's your and it, where's your badge? It shows him the badge and it shoots him with a dart anyway. Yep. And then claws him to death. Yep, cuts his throat with the little clippy claws. Yeah. But there's no blood at that point. No, no for we, some we reason it takes like later. eight to ten minutes for him to bleed. <laughs> so then then he takes him and he hides him behind the cigarette machine. Well, he hides the top part of him. His legs are sort of... <laughs> right. Right. Uh-huh. Well, she was coming, and you know, clean up so much. Maybe she won't notice because she's kind of dumb. But um, I, think with, I think what they did, they cut the throat, and then like to minimize cleanup, they did a quick baby lays across the top of it just to cauterize it. And then when she moved him, that's why he bled. I got nothing. Uh, well, and the sense, the, the lack of sense of urgency with these teens, like, you know, we've got Ferdy trying to get Allison home because the ball's going to go in lockdown in 10 minutes. And then Leslie's waltzing around in her Playboy panties. It's like, girl, you're going to get stuck in this mall. Even without the killer robots, there's a problem here. And she never gets her virgin slams. Nope, never, ever. So do you think that they were planning to get out before the mall closed down or they were planning just to stay for the night? I think they, well, that's I a think, good question. I think... I think the boners were – the boners. The people boning <laughs> were, were planning to stay the night. I think that was the plan. 
Because we did have the scene where Allison called her father to give some bullshit excuse. Like, you know, she was, I don't know if it was a sleepover or what she said, but like, you know, not going to be home. So maybe it was planning on being a sleepover. But Ferdy definitely mentioned that he wanted to get her out before the, the mall went into to lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have poor time management. They clearly they really do. And yet again, we have a problem where the, you know, uh, Mike, as he tries to escape the robot, hits doors that are chained closed. And I'm thinking again, like, where is legal when they make these decisions? You can't chain a door closed in a mall. But I also think that the chains would have been sufficient. The idea that they also had these super doors that came in that closed with claw teeth straight out of Star Trek. Right. Totally unnecessary. You can just use chains on doors. and people I know, but if you can upsell an idiot mall owner, scare him enough that everybody's trying to rob your shit, you can sell them all kinds of stupid crap. This is true. Yeah, it's the deluxe package. <laughs> um, well, and, and when Leslie gets to the cigarette machine and finds Mike's body, the robot busts out of the doors that were literally just chained when Mike was trying to go through them. Oh, I didn't notice that. So it's like, wait a second. Why are you ruining it, Chris? (laughs) And it busts through with this like brightly lit smoky background behind it. That was awesome. It's got a fog machine in its butt. (laughs) It was kind of amazing. Why wouldn't a killer robot have a fog machine in its butt? I also think it had a boombox because you know that that really cool 80s synth music that we'd only hear when the robots were going around? Yeah. Oh, Can I take a moment? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you finish, Brian. Well, I like to pretend that it has its own theme song that it's playing whenever it cruises around looking for people to kill. Here we go. <laughs> you know, I can relate. I was Super Mario for Halloween this weekend, and I literally played the Mario Brothers theme on my phone every time I walked into a party. That's awesome. So, yeah, why not? If you can do it, do it. You uh-huh. got a boombox in your butt? Play your own theme <laughs> Put song. Put a boombox in your butt. Put a fog machine in your butt. <laughs> now, if a glitter ball came out of his butt, I'd be really happy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be gay bot. That would, that's, that's the gay <laughs> porn version. <laughs> Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> the robot's trying to get the humans out of there so they can have their robot disco party. Uh-huh. I think we're writing my next movie right here on the spot. Trademark, copyright. <laughs> Story credit, associate producer. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is the scene that we talked about earlier. Leslie finds them. She's run, then the, the killbot comes out and she's running, screaming in her little panties. And she gets shot and her head blows up. But everybody, unlike most horror movies, everybody hears the screaming and they see this happen. They watch her just get. Blasted. Yes. To various reactions. Some of them are like, meh. Yeah, Allison looks constipated. Barbara Crampton. Well, she was it. probably really uncomfortable with all that camel toe happening. She's probably getting a yeast, a yeast infection of some kind. Cutting off the circulation to her brain. Uh huh, exactly. And, and, you know, they never really liked her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she was kind of a bitch. Uh-huh. Uh, I gotta say, plastic, 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 early 80s fake titties. My God. Uh, uh. Brian's quiet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining all those fake titties. <laughs> Brian's like, Don't I, imagine. Go watch the movie again. Brian's like, I thought they were nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, Brian's titties 
money can buy. Yeah, so now this is just all in time for the alarm to sound that the building's locking down. So now they are all trapped in there for the night with the killbots, who are now breaking all the rules. They're coming into the stores. They're chasing everybody down. And mayhem ensues. Yeah, which the robots break one of the rules that's established, which is they bust right into one of the stores that they're not supposed to be able yes, to Yes, but they're into. also not supposed to be killing people, so rules are out the window. Okay, well, good point. <laughs> and then our heroes show exactly how stupid they are because they rush into a back storeroom uh-huh. and go through the possible exits, right? So they're like, fire exit? No. Phone's dead. Air ducts? Hey, great idea. Let's just send the women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I think the plan was that they were all going to go, but then the killbots got through the door, so they had to run instead of uh, taking the time to climb up into the There's a lot themselves. of toxic masculinity in this movie. <laughs> I like the way they, they barricaded the door by putting four or five like empty cardboard boxes in front of it. Right. Uh-huh. And, that, and, and, it, and yet, it actually took explosives to get that door open. <laughs> cardboard was a lot heavier in the 80s, man, before we had all these EPA rules. Oh, right. You know, wait, they, they sprayed some sort of, um, like, like uh, M2 plastic foam on there. and then, Right. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So a cardboard was, box yeah. could weigh up to 700 pounds easily. <laughs> Buying a carton of milk, you had to get a truck to bring it home. It was an odd time <laughs> to be alive. Um I'm trying to read what, I'm ri- what I have written here. Yeah, the guys have a lot of machismo. Oh, yeah, that's that's when they decide to go to Peckinpah's and get weapons. Yes, of course, that's a reference to film director Sam Peckinpah, who made notoriously mm-hmm. violent movies in the 70s. And I think it's nice that you have a mall where you can buy automatic weapons like that in California, <laughs> of all places. Now, how it's very convenient. Realistic, I'm sorry. Uh, how, how realistic is it to have fully automatic weapons in a mall with ammunition and shotguns? Like, that's... I can understand maybe going to Walmart, but they have that in a mall. How realistic is a mall going to have a functioning house of almonds? (laughs) (laughs) If the house of almonds is thriving, then I'm sure the ammunition store is doing very well. There's a great line, too. What it says, um, let's go send those fuckers a Rambogram. Yes. Yes, and then they have the sort of the the heroic slow-mo walk where the three of them are armed and strutting down the mall hall until they run into the first robot and then they <laughs> the un the either i couldn't quite tell whether they were unloading on it and then the rope and the bullets just didn't do anything or if they were going stormtrooper and then just sort of like missing you know missing all their shots we forgot that peck and pause only sells blanks <laughs> damn you peck and pause it um it seemed like they were hitting a few times and that it just the uh, yeah had I, no I just fans. assumed that they were impenetrable and they were missing because they're drunk teenagers and of course everybody's right. a sharp shot well actually one of them is but we'll come back to that because like you said <laughs> Kelly Maroney's movie started to blend the more longer this movie went on that's so true um so, yeah, so the a- girls are the girls are up in the heating duct and the main computer knows they're up there somehow. And has turned on the heating ducts. So it's just getting way too hot. They're getting burned. And Suze has a typical 80s horror movie girl breakdown. Of course. Well, because she's in a sleeveless, lacy bodysuit. So she's the one, you know, putting her bare arms on the hot ductwork. 
Yes, that I get, but it's the whole, well, I got to go find whatever my boring boyfriend's name is. He needs me. I know he needs me. I'm just going to freak out over nothing, and I'm going to get everybody killed because I'm going to freak out because I'm that character. And I'm just, and, yeah, I, I, I think you missed the subtext here, which is that she was worried that he was alone with the other guys. You know, she uh-huh. said he's, he's, he's already talked about his love of pepperoni. So, you know, she just was worried about what he was getting up to without, uh, oh, without her smell like pepperoni, which makes me think of cock, which is why I like the smell. Yep. Yep. I didn't put that together. Oh, and, and well, that actor kind of had a hard time playing straight anyway. So you think so? Because I thought he was so like country club preppy yuppie bleh i was i i was feeling like there was a little lightness in his loafers there was a little sugar in his tank (laughs) all right then (laughs) i said but i now i understand why he's overcompensating with all this machismo bullshit got it right there you go problem solved uh this this um yes the girls the the boys are pecking paws the girls are in i don't know paint store something some kind of hardware store Right. Um, and and smart girl, smart land is like let's make Molotov cocktails. Oh, right. My. So I guess it does come back that that Linda's sort of you know mechanically intelligent because she does at least teach them how to make Molotov cocktails. I like that they have they have full cans. I know I keep pointing out things that seem silly, but they have full cans of gasoline in a mall in a store. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was the 80s. It was the uh, 80s. You know, <laughs> some cars were still diesel. You know, there was the, the gas shortage. Sometimes you had to buy right. a gallon just to get the car back home. McDonald's hadn't been sued for hot coffee yet. So, of course, there's full cans of gas in a mall. <laughs> Never question the mall, Brian. <laughs> Everything's the mall. Okay, I got That it. was I the mecca it. of society in the 80s. Oh, God, it was. <laughs> Tiffany played a mall. Oh, why did, you have, why did you have to drag her into this? <laughs> why not? <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. Um, so they, uh, they, they, have, they have Molotov cocktails made out of uh, cans of gasoline uh-huh. with the right. right idea they're going to light these and throw these at the robot. Well, and the boys do take down one of the robots with a, I don't a know, a propane tank. tank. Yes, a propane yeah. tank. And then they just look down at it, and you hear this this like kind of viscous bubbling noise, but you never see what it is they're looking at. And they say, "Oh, that's robot blood." Yeah, or oil, I guess, <laughs> or or juice from the fog machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. How come Ferdy got a handgun when uh, Gum Chewing Mike and the other guy they have like these these giant, you know, uh, you know, semi-automatic rifles and assault weapons? Well, Mike was dead. You're talking about Rick. Sorry, Rick. Rick has a right. rifle, and Ferdy has a handgun. That's because they are super. They are super macho guys, and he's a nerd. Right. So or they all have guns that symbolize their dicks. Got it. Could could be. Dick Maul is a whole other movie. So they blow <laughs> up the tank, and they manage to take out one of the robots. Yeah, it, it's it's knocked over on its side, and it is seemingly out. Right. And this, this is where Ferdy is worried that the, that the robots can read their I minds. Can't, I can't even. I can't even with that. I can't even with that. <laughs> and then he suddenly becomes talented at elevator tech. Yeah, that was bizarre. He wears glasses, Chris. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. If you wear glasses, you can do shit like that. Oh, and, and um, pursuant to the plot's next requirements, uh, we next see Susie fully dressed. 
she somehow acquired like a chambray shirt to go over the the little uh, onesie that she's been wearing. Well, yeah. you know, she... <laughs> <laughs> they stopped at Contempo Casuals really quick. <laughs> they did. Well, because they kind of had to because they were about to burn that poor girl alive, and the stunt woman can't be burned with bare flesh, so they had to put a shirt on. That is so funny. Yeah, that's actually a pretty. This is actually a pretty brutal scene. I didn't put that together at all, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, and that that stunt woman is not built like poor little Susie. No, but I, yeah, <laughs> together like, oh no, we have to burn this person. She's gonna have to wear a jacket. How are we gonna get a jacket? Oh, we'll have to put some clothes on this woman. Yeah, yeah. toss uh, a chambray shirt her way. That's great. Be- between scenes. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, I mean, it was just, they're just escaping the, from the robots, and, you know, she gets shot in the leg, like I said, and it just, like, tears her fucking leg apart. Like Ugh. Leslie's head. Right. Whereas everyone else just gets little ouchies. And she's yeah. just lying there screaming and screaming and screaming. Nobody can help because the lasers are shooting everywhere, and one of the protectors shoots that Molotov cocktail that's in her little hand, and she goes up like a bomb, and it's rather disturbing. It's pretty bad. It's burned alive in front of her friends. Uh-huh. Who really didn't do much to help her. I mean, she was laying there for a good ten seconds saying help. They were, they just, were, there were lasers, Chris. Okay, but they're just kinda <laughs> they're just kinda calling to her, like, Susie, this way. No shit this way. I'm fucking shot, you bitches. <laughs> and that's when the, the lead female, what's her name again? Allison. Allison. Allison gets shot in the arm. Yes. By a lead. <laughs> yes, and yes. it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it's it's it scrapes her, you know, it uh, a little drop of blood on her. Yeah, she has sweater. to tie a little bandage around her, but yeah, yeah. That pink sweater is one of the most indestructible things I've seen, by the way, because not only does it protect her from you know the overheating air ducts and the laser from the robot, it also enables her when she pulls it over her head to walk straight through a glass door without getting injured in any way. That was amazing. Yeah. How am I going to Well, you know, you know, polyester was still being used in a lot of materials in the 80s, <laughs> and that shit was indestructible. True that. And she didn't walk through it that fast. It was a pretty sort of slowly jaunt into this glass window, and then the, the whole door smashes. Fantastic. Um, the problem for me with the movie here is that from henceforth, the kill factors go down in interest level. Aww. I mean, because you had a head blow up. You had a throat slashed. You had a girl burned to death. And then you've got two of the more interesting characters, Rick and Linda. Right. Who die completely lamely. Uh, he gets thrown over a railing. Oh, no, no, not him. I don't even, see, I don't even count him. He's so boring. I met the married couple. Yeah. Well, Rick he pulls a much Again, his machismo got him killed. That guy, he's like, I'm going to store, you know, whatever. I'm going to take oh, the Oh, you're right. That's Greg. And so I didn't even care about him. I'm going to get <laughs> revenge for Susie, whatever. That never ends well. But no, we have this married couple that we've established, and they're quite likable. Absolutely. They have a nice bond together. They ha- we understand what they do outside of this, that they have a life outside of this. You get their affection for each other, and she just gets shot by a random laser in the chest, put dead. Right. Again, the the lack of consistency. We've got Leslie who takes six lasers before she goes down. Poor Linda gets one. Well, Leslie's half made of plastic, so. <laughs> okay, good point. Good point. 
She got silicone poisoning. Yeah, she's the detox of the eighties mall world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then he and he does another machismo. Ah, Leslie, I will avenge your death. When gets himself killed in the process, in in, in lovely eighties electrocution animation, which always makes me happy. Oh, it's so ridiculous. And it's not even it's it's sort of an accidental electrocution too, because he's basically you know disabled the robot enough that it isn't a direct threat, but because it's spinning around and still shooting its lasers. Uh huh. And it's got and it's got sparks shooting out of it. So I'm gonna drive my golf cart <laughs> right into it at five miles an hour into you to destroy <laughs> you, which and which gets himself killed in the process. So you just took out two of my favorite characters really lamely, so I started to hate the movie from here on out. But right. I don't. I do love the movie overall. But just it's just from a writing standpoint, I think that's weak. And then there's the whole final battle and everything happens. We need to start <laughs> wrapping this up a bit. Linda does get to say, before she dies, Linda does get to say my favorite line in the whole movie. Oh. Where, you know, she's had, she's kind of, she's done the, the classic 80s, like, lean against the wall and slide down. <laughs> And she says, uh-huh. I guess I'm just not used to being chased through a mall in the middle of the night by killer robots. I love that they spent a whole scene with her doing math, figuring how much they're going to owe them all after all this is over. 2,900,431 tune-ups. Uh-uh. You're going to own this fucking mall. <laughs> exactly. You're going to own California after this. How are these poor people not understanding that it's not their fault? <laughs> Especially since you're established as an adult with a legitimate business of your own. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to pay back. I'm gonna this chambray shirt is gonna cost us, Rick. <laughs> and, and it's burnt, so we can't return it now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they take the tags off and everything. Damn it! Well, shit. <laughs> uh, and they do the 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 classic set up mannequins with mirrors behind it move, which is bizarre to me. <laughs> Okay, and this is where things start to cross over because at a certain point, they, 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 they lure one of the, the protectors into the elevator, which as we mentioned briefly earlier, that Ferdy had fumbled with the control system and did whatever and they had put propane tanks, whatever. They set up a booby trap for right. one of the protectors. And in order for it to work, they have to shoot the propane, propane tank, tank that's on top of the, of the thing and the guys are shooting and shooting and shooting and they're missing and Kelly Maroney grabs the gun and hits it in one shot. Mm-hmm. And Ferdy says, nice shot. And she goes, my dad's a Marine. Which is an exact line from Nine of the Comet. Yep. And I said in some, I guess like you're going here, you're expecting your dad to show up with the goddamn Sandinistas to rescue you too. <laughs> <laughs> But then uh, this whole thing yeah. with the mannequins was from that too. <laughs> it was, and then well, and then there's the classic '80s like hiding in a pet store, and the snakes and the spiders get out. Yes, but I want to stay on the mannequins for a minute because this okay. is where this is where watching it this time. I mean, I love this movie because as much as we're picking on it, it is a ton of silly fun if that's what you're in for. But in my mind, I'm like, wouldn't it have been great if the protectors would like disguise themselves every now and then like put on a wig (laughs) (laughs) yes and a house dress that'd be amazing (laughs) just hide in the housewares aisle at Sears and they think they're you know grabbing a vacuum cleaner and suddenly it's a protector (laughs) damn it when when they um, I just really wanted to see one of the protectors in a wig sorry Brian you go no 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 (laughs) totally agree 
Um, I was going to say, I didn't realize, I thought that they were setting up all the mannequins as a diversion, and then as the robots were shooting at the mannequins, then they could could attack the robot. They just needed the robot to stay That's still. That's how the place. plan would logically have gone. Right. <laughs> it's more they just stand behind them. Yeah, they put the mirrors behind them, so the lasers shoot the mirrors, yeah. and then ricochet back and destroy the robot. So it's, it's brilliant. Yes, that's very smart. But my thing was, you set up the mannequins as a diversion, you put the mirrors back there as a booby trap, but then you all kind of hung around. <laughs> right, right behind the mannequins. But you didn't run shot. anywhere. You didn't leave. You just stayed with the mannequins in the line of fire. <laughs> Well, when these mannequins are introduced, my first question was, why weren't they posing as mannequins in one of these stores that they're always hiding in? Yep. Because Because we did that night of the comet. We don't want to get sued. Right. Yeah, there were so many ways that these these lunkheads could have actually gotten away pretty quickly if they just used their noggins. Oh, sure. I'd like to see you escape a killer robot in a mall someday. Yeah, easy. Go to a stairwell. Pull the fire alarm. <laughs> Pull the fire alarm. The fire, oh, that's another lawsuit there because when, in the building? when the paint store goes up, neither smoke nor fire alarm yeah. go off. I would think just get some water. Um, yeah. <laughs> Drop a shake on them like Robert Downey Jr. in, in uh, Weird Science. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, you mentioned the pet store. Yeah, because uh, Ferdy gets knocked out with a, in, in a fight. and I'm just trying to skim through this now. But sure. she's hiding in a pet store. Uh, and, of course, the protector is rolling through. It's the only one left. And it's it's knocking over tanks and cases. So now there's snakes and spiders everywhere. But I don't know if you caught this. There is a sign on the wall advertising cockatiels. The no, bird. really. The bird. You see it once. And then when you come back to it, when she's slithering out from underneath, it's uh-huh. framed so that you just see the word cock three <laughs> feet tall <laughs> above Kelly Murray's head. I can't believe That's you didn't amazing. see I can't believe you didn't see the giant cock on the wall, Chris, of you of all people. I, me of all people. I, uh, the, she could have picked any store to hide out in, and she picked the one store that would have a bunch of screaming animals in case <laughs> right. a human goes in there. And all she does is puts a bag of dog food kind of in front of her. <laughs> kind of. But that's the thing. They can't really look down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that we discover that ability late in the movie, that these things don't see you if you're you know, under their chest plate. I also like that – so there's this that moment where the robot – these two robots are figuring out they have to get through a metal door. Uh-huh. And they turn – they're talking to each other. And it's <laughs> in English – and they actually will turn their heads towards each other uh-huh. to talk English. They're not talking in like ones and zeros. They're not doing this <laughs> through the, the Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. They're, they're using English. I like that one scene where one of the protectors turned to the other one and was like, if we don't make it through this, I just want to tell you I love you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Around this time, I have one question that's been nagging at me. I've seen this now recently two times, once in my youth. What the hell hits Allison in the face when she runs through that hallway? Oh, it's like it's, is it is it like a face hugger? No, yeah, I, that's what. Yes, it's a face hugger on a string because a it string. rode the it, it rode the lightning bolt down. It was so bizarre, and it's never mentioned again. You don't it really get cables. a good look at it. It was cables. I mean, I get it. Like, okay, it's like it's construction cables, but why are they there? It was just there for a cheap scare. 
Okay. Ashton answered. <laughs> so Allison finally figures out what she gets the spiders and the snakes off of her. She finally figures out the best escape plan ever, which is dangling from a railing. <laughs> Not oh, just girl. running down the hall. Yo. She dangles from the railing. No. Because she because at this point she just discovered that the robot can't see her if she's below its chest plate. So yeah. Yeah, so instead of just getting below his chest plate, she has to, on this side of the wall, she has to go on the other side of the wall. And is hanging off the third floor. And she falls eventually. And she lands in a kiosk. A kiosk. Full of luggage. (laughs) And that supposedly keeps her from breaking her spine. And I said, you know what, you were really lucky because it was the 80s. And if that shit was Samsonite luggage, you would be dead. Oh, God, big time. Because a gorilla could smack that shit around. You, you wouldn't break. Right. A little girl but, but, from the ain't going to do no damage at all. No. And then, of course, it gives us the opportunity to see Kelly Maroney do her best Linda Hamilton at the end of Terminator by crawling away from the robot. Yes. But only for a few seconds because then suddenly she just snaps out of it and stands up. Because the director's like, we can't see the camel tail. Get her to stand up. Don't tell her why. <laughs> oh, poor girl. <laughs> How does needs, the last robot? needs more camel toe. She um, dumps a bunch of paint and oh, know, right. paint thinner onto yeah. the floor of the paint store. And, can, and she, that's right. We do have Chekhov's flair. That's right. That she stuffs in her bra at some point. From the hardware store in the beginning. Right. Yeah, so she's yep. been lugging that around in that pink sweater. Because <laughs> nothing's getting in or out of that pink sweater. <laughs> Apparently. No, definitely no shards of glass. I didn't know that paint was flammable like that. Oh, like, yeah. I see the paint thinner totally makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. It's very flammable. Jackson Pollock moment. She's just well, gonna... I think the paint was to, to immobilize the, the tank wheels, and right. the thinner was to cause the fire. Got it. I did, you're right, but I did appreciate that she wasn't just pulling, you know, cans in sequence off the shelves and opening. She's like, no, I think we're going to use <laughs> this color. <laughs> Cherry Blossom. <laughs> Don't need a little earth tone. And to anyone who's ever tried to open a paint can, they are significantly more difficult than uh, holding in one hand and then opening, you know. <laughs> right. Oh, no, they're a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, so she, yeah, so she she explodes the last one. Uh-huh. Yep, in a, in a ball, a fiery ball of fury. Yeah. Which, no. again, she walks away un- uninjured from. <laughs> Completely. She was six feet from the glass doors. Totally fine. <laughs> Thank totally you, fine. pink sweater. And then Ferdy's okay as well. He's got a roll of toilet paper, sopping up the blood coming out of his head. Yeah, but then they cut to the wide, and there's no blood in the back of his head. His hair is perfect. Yeah, it's it's strange. Well, plus, where did the toilet paper? Did he actually like stop at the bathroom before he went to save his girlfriend? Like, where did that roll of toilet paper come from? The toilet paper store. <laughs> the house. The house of wipe. The house of there you have it. Gross. Uh, and then they hug. Uh-huh. And then they sue everyone. And, uh-huh. and then they're like, retire. well, we still got we still got five hours. You want to go bone in the furniture store? <laughs> I don't know. We cut to the, the wide shot at the end, and it seems like there's there's daylight filtering through the uh, the glass top of the mall. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's definitely uh-huh. daytime. Uh-huh. Um, and they open at 8, I guess, or... I don't the know. doors unlocked. Well, who knows? Closed. The computer runs the show now. They doors may never open again, and they starve to death. 
<laughs> Not with House of Almonds right there. Oh, you're right. You're right. No, they've they formed their own little ecosystem. <laughs> Raise a whole generation after generation of very deformed children. <laughs> uh, it was a delight. This movie was so lovely. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. That was uh, that was a win. You're welcome. I figured I, I just had a hint. An inkling. I'm like, I think Brian would like something with robots that are killer and have boobs. Well, the robots yeah. didn't have boobs. They might have boobs. I don't know. <laughs> Underneath one of those panels that opened, them, all of a sudden boobs came out. I don't know. Now that I know that Chris is a robot aficionado, like, uh, I got to learn out more about robots. Had I known, I wouldn't have asked him on to do this movie. <laughs> Nancy, like, no I, fun. I, I robot nitpicked. You really did. You, you did a lot of robot shaming. Oh, well... It was all out of love. I just expect more of my robots. But you smell like pepperoni. <laughs> I love pepperoni. I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think I got sick last week? <laughs> well, I think we've discussed that enough. How you got sick? <laughs> I think I think the health bulletin that went on across the internet from Orlando last week. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this man? I got the notification on my iPhone. <laughs> it was like an Amber Alert. Yeah, well, Floodwaters, Christiani, you know, it's all the same. <laughs> and gross. <laughs> uh, I I continue to get a kick out of this movie because they don't make movies like this anymore. It's true. Well, they don't have malls anymore, really. Well, no, but you know what I mean? This kind of feel like it's absolutely ridiculous. Un apologetically ridiculous. It is. And sure, you get stuff like Sharknado now that's trying to do that, but it doesn't work. You can't fo- you can't make something campy on purpose. Right. But and there's no boobs. Right. But, right. Well, who wants to see Tara Reid's boobs? <laughs> Am I right? Well, especially now that apparently one of them is really wonky after the surgery. Right. Plastic surgery nightmare. <laughs> oh, man. I hear it has a face now. (laughs) And it's a sad face. (laughs) Like a sad face emoji. It's true. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Tara. That was mean. That was mean. No, because like uh, the other movie I think of is from the same director, Jim Wynarski, like Night of the Demons. You don't get movies like this anymore. It's true. It's and it's true. refreshing Even, to see. It's just they're just made to check your brain at the door and have a good time, and it's exactly what it delivers. And the one other thing I just wanted to bring up uh, that Brian touched on, I love the score to this. Oh, yeah. Normally, these 80s heavy synth-pop stuff grate my nerves. Because usually it's like somebody just banging their hands on a keyboard. <laughs> yeah. no, this is great. It had melody. It robot yeah, it had that... It had like it was like synth with purpose. It was mm-hmm. like video game music. <laughs> yes, which makes sense because the movie's kind of like a video game. It's that kind of ridiculousness. This would never happen in real life. A video game with boobs. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, what was happening in that arcade scene in the mall montage at the beginning? Like, was that guy the, the kid's father? Just some creep is pushing some kids creep up. Creep the, pushing the kid out of the way, taking over his game, and then the kid pulls him away, and the third creep comes over and plays. It was very odd to me. I think it was a whole, I think it was a whole essay on you know child molestation. <laughs> <laughs> 
like the guys with his, the guys with his main child molester, and then the other child molester gets jealous, <laughs> and they have to settle the whole thing with a game of joust. There you have it. Oh, joust! Oh, I love that game. See, you have no problem with people jousting on flying ostriches and a bird that doesn't fly, <laughs> but you have problems with this movie. You, you, you're a man of a word that just fell out of my head. I'm really <laughs> tired. Do you know this is the third show I've recorded today? Oh, wow. Really? Yes. Doing a marathon is very taxing. Well, I look forward to hearing all three of them because I'm just as much of a brown noser as Brian. Oh, see, no, you can't. You can't be a brown noser if you announce that you're brown nosing. That's not how brown nosing works. Well, I'll ask Brian to teach me. You no, know, because you know, yeah, you should ask Brian to teach you. He does it. He does it properly. He does it very nice. He's a very nice touch. He must moisturize his nose. <laughs> this got I'm weird. Like, I'm sorry, Brian. I can feel I'm you blushing like, through the computer. <laughs> Okay, so I think that's going to wrap things up for Chopping Mall. Thank you, boys, for joining me. Now, why don't you tell the nice people at home where they can find you and where they can buy your exciting products? Brian, I'll let you go first. Sure. Uh, so you can find me at Brian Galactic on all of the, the social media. And then our games, uh, Schmovie and Spank the Yeti, are available on Amazon or where fine games are sold or Barnes & Noble and Geek and... Uh, Spencer's is picking them up soon, um, so all over. Sweet. Uh-huh. I, I have to. I have to make a confession, Brian. This is something that I've learned, and I'm really ashamed of. I'm terrible at movie. Oh yeah. I stink at movie. I'm sorry to hear that. Everyone looks at me like, oh, I thought you'd be so good at this game. It's so up your alley. I'm like, I guess I overthink it. I know I stink at movie. Hmm. So I'm just gonna I- stick with that hairy man and spank him and spank him. <laughs> but there's, we have a game for everyone. Uh huh. And I'll take the one with the hairy man. Thank you. And Chris, <laughs> what a surprise! Uh, I can be found on various social media as Christiani C H R I S D I A N I. Creatures from the Pink Lagoon is currently out of print, but what? I'm pretty sure it is. It's out of print. Bastard. Intentional. Intentionally so, but you, know, oh, you can still okay. find it on various Ukrainian piracy sites. So <laughs> don't worry, it's out there. Uh, eBay as well, I think. Maybe Amazon has a couple copies. Um, and Let's Pretend We're Bunny Rabbits will be coming soon to a theater near you, probably in 2018. Fingers crossed. And the Creatures from the Pig Lagoon sequel, TBD. Who's down with TBD? <laughs> you, yeah, know you know me. Thank you. Never gets old. Okay, boys, thank you very much. Thank you for joining me for the Countdown to Halloween Marathon. And thank you so much for helping me help Almost LGBT kids. A delight as always. Patrick. Oh, wait, wait, Thank wait, you. wait, 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 wait. I got two more things to say to you. Happy Halloween! And thank you. Have a nice day. Happy Halloween, guys. Happy Halloween. See, nobody thanks me back. Fuck you guys. This show's over. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank we're out. You. Okay, well done, guys. Thank you. Oh, you're amazing. Thank you. Brian, great to meet you. Uh-huh. Yeah, you too, Chris. You were hilarious, man. Nicely done. This oh, thank you. So might you. be out tomorrow. <gasps> Yay. Awesome. If I do not Sorry. have a nervous breakdown first. But let's just see. That's all the fun of the marathon. That's what they tune in for to hear me break down <laughs> slowly over the course of two weeks. Anyway, boys, have a great night. You too. Love man. you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.